Shout out to motherfucking Dougie Fresh. True. Shout out to my man Jock Box from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Don't forget what the fuck is going on from the Skitty Boys. And also shout out to my man Jai, who's not a professional beatbox. He just plays one on Renegade Culture. And he's damn good at it. And I heard my man just graduated. Congratulations, Jai. Yes. Jai graduated. Renegade Culture got degrees. We got degrees. Should we say where you graduated from or what? Certified marketing. Certified marketing. Man, certified marketing. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that motherfucking means that renegade culture should be played internationally. This man is a certified marketer. Uh, he's going to do he's that. Certified marketer. He's going to be hey, there. We got your first project already. Appreciate what that, job. Fuck? Make that happen. So so, so we look at the at the uh, the ratings and, they, and we see that only three people listen to that motherfucker. Jai fired like we a motherfucker. Jai got to go. Got to go. Got to go. So, yo, it's renegade culture and I'm here with... I'm Kalanji Jam the riot starter, mm-hmm. and I gotta go to court tomorrow and oh, fuck God the judge. Damn, no. God damn. Oh, yeah. Yo, and it's Kamal K. Franklin here with, with my man. I'm not gonna represent him because <laughs> that shit is solid. He going to jail, so that's another thing. We're going, and back here, who we got back here? The ear doctor. Okay, the ear yeah, doctor. Let's get it. You notice when you say the ear doctor like that, you got them echoes in the chair. The ear doctor, the ear doctor, the ear I know, he got, he got all that stuff for himself. We got shit. We got nothing. We got no fucking drops. <laughs> no, ain't shit. He Next. dropped the drop. Next. Jai Brown. Jai in the building. Jai who? Jai Brown. Jai Brown? Jai got a last name? Nope. You didn't even know. Right? Okay. Nigga now graduated and came back with a last name. <laughs> he got a degree. Dr. Jai Brown. <laughs> he just remembered that because he had to put it on a degree and shit like that. Yeah, like, what's the like, last name again? Like GD. Jai Brown. Jai Brown. My man. And who else we got back here? Transmitted live for the planet Earth. Of course it's Minister Server. What? what? The ministers in the building. Yo. Minister Server, when he's not doing what he's doing on that side of the fence, he's over here co-hosting, you know what I'm saying? Doing a goddamn when, when, good when, job. When Kamal's absent and shit, because Kamal be fucking up. Well, apparently he's going to be here next week, because my man going to be in prison. So, you know, you're going to have to fill that seat. So, I think he's getting six <laughs> months and shit like that. Nigga ain't shit. He's getting that George Jackson <laughs> try, sentence. He's getting that six months to life type hey, of yo. shit, yo. Hey, the views and opinions of this oh. yellow motherfucker right oh, here, they not damn. necessarily be the views We going right in. Ours. Yes. You know what I'm saying? How you doing, Kamal? I'm doing good, man. Everything's been working out well for me. You know what I'm saying? Has it? I got a job, I'm employed, okay. married, kids, everything, man. Oh, shit. Place to live. How okay. you feeling, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is my wife, nigga. Oh! Blah, blah. <laughs> Renegade coaching, y'all. Yeah. Yo, so we got, anyway. even though we bullshit, like, we got a really hot show tonight. Okay. Who's on it? Ah, Felipe Luciano, bro. Nigga! You know what I'm saying? The headbanger. The That's head right. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell y'all something, right? Here at Renegade Coaching, we always bring y'all the hottest shit. You know what I mean? We brought you The Last Poets from, True. with Abby O'Doom. True. We brought you Speech from Arrest Development. That's right. Killer Mike, the very controversial political character. That's true. We brought you Cynthia McKinney, former, former U.S. Congresswoman. That's right. Sekou Odinga, former Odinga, prisoner. former political prisoner. Daruba Ben Wahad, former political, political prisoner. prisoner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and co-founded Black Liberation Army. That's right. Um, you know, so we've been putting it together. So this week, in the tradition of what the fuck we do. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Pause. What do you want to pause for? I've been asked to not curse so much. Uh, well, already you lost that one, so. Uh, sorry, I'm working well, let me, on Let me just say, though, because yes. I, I want to make sure we, we clear on who this brother is. Yes. We're going to do a better intro when we come back yes, from our break. Yes. But this, this brother played a historic role in the movements of the 60s and 70s. That's right. Um, a young lord and one of the original 
Yes, he was one of last, the original last poets. That's right. And he was not only was he a young lord, he was the chairman and co-founder of the Young Lords. He also was a journalist for those of you who that's are right. in the New York area. In fact, he was the first Puerto Rican anchor. I was on the show. You was on the show? I was on the show. Man. Oh, shit. I, I was on the up. show. I tore that shit up. And you know? now you know why he's not an anchor anymore. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> so anyway, he's, 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 uh, he considered himself uh, Afro-Latino. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he cussed just like us. Yep. And he got them good pics from back in the day with the fro on. You yeah, know, the kind good of pics of back in the day. As a smooth brother, you know what I'm saying? No doubt. And Kamau was sweating some of the sisters that was in the pic with him, but oh, we're not going to say that uh. because we ain't snitching. Yep. But anyway, you listen to Renegade Culture, we can say... Fuck the police what? and uh, uh, forget, fight the power. Forget the police. Forget, forget, forget the, police. the police. I'm sorry, forget, yeah. the, forget police. the police. It's too late. <laughs> and, <laughs> and also, we could say, uh, I'm working on the cursor, ladies and gentlemen, because in fact, it's, it's like for those oh, of you that smoke cigarettes. Let me interrupt you, because yes. you've been talking for a long time right now. I was. Yo, so one second, before we take our first break, we want to thank our Patreon supporters this week. We got, yes. We got two new Patreon supporters. Who do we have? We got Jamal Taylor. Jamal Taylor. Jamal is I a, think I know that guy. You know that brother, movement, uh, community movement Great builders guy. brother. Not to be confused with Jamal Joseph. No, not He's that. Also who also a good brother. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And who else we got? Who's giving us? And we got Megan Anderson. So big up to Megan Anderson. That's Megan right. Anderson. And uh, Megan. Uh, Minister, Thank who you. we got uh, performing tonight? Yo, we got one of the dopest independent artists in the world. We got Yamin Somali. Woo! Like, okay, okay. That's Always right. got the dopest artists on Renegade Culture. Hey, right. listen, right. man. So the, la the last couple artists have definitely been dope. Yep, you know yep. what I'm saying? And and, uh, and and we love Yamin because, in fact, Yamin has been a supporter of FTP in the early stages. Oh. I got some old school pictures with him with the locks and everything. All right. You know what I'm saying? Going back to, like, 05, I believe. Giving out food to the community. Food and, and, and doing all kinds of shit. He's... he's uh, uh, hit us with a number of different tracks for our CDs and everything. He's always been a supporter, so we're excited. That's true. To have an artist that actually lives up to what this guy's talking about. Oh, goddamn. Yo, so we're going to have a hot <laughs> show tonight. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Renegade Coach Up. Black Isle. Black Isle. What's up, Renegade Coaches in the building? Yo, we back, live on the air. I am Clarence John Machenga, a.k.a. The Riot Star, starting a rebellion in a city near you. That's, that's exaggerated. My name is Kamal K. Franklin, yo, his co-host, and yes. also the person who keeps him in check every now and then. You know what oh, I'm saying? That, was, that was very nice. The man said keep you in check. Somebody Who all got the ball in check? Anyway, uh, we got special guests, as promised, on the joint tonight. We got a couple special guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this particular guest right here, he's a... Uh, uh, some people know him, if you're from the New York area, mm -hmm. you know him as a journalist. He was a two-time Emmy Award winning journalist. Goddamn. Matter of fact, if, I, according to research, he's the first Puerto Rican anchor in America, if that's not, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct. Uh-huh. Um, I know he was on, uh, I remember him from Fox, but you were on WNBC as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he, he won't remember this, but I was actually on your NBC. show once talking about the issue of police brutality in really? New York. Yeah, many, okay. many decades ago. You yeah. should remember it, because I was really good. Wow. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was trying to be a co-host, but you didn't yeah. let me happen. In other words, what, he, what he's trying to say to you was he was in a crowd scene. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Felipe, call on me, call Felipe. on me. Can but we any, finish the introduction? Anyway, anyway, he was the uh, co-chair yep. 
and I mean, excuse me, the chairman and co-founder of the Young Lords Party, which uh, was birthed in 1969. And he's also an original yeah. member of the Black, I mean, of the Last Poets, mm -hmm. which uh, got kicking off in 1968 mm -hmm. at, Malcolm, at a Malcolm X event, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this brother right here is a cultural icon. He's That's someone right. that I feel is slept on. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's someone just like uh, most of our heroes, as, as, as uh, Public Enemy said, most of our heroes don't appear on no stamp. We want to want to introduce to you to the Renegade Culture family. Mm -hmm. Felipe Luciano is Felipe. in the building. Yes, my man. Yes. Yeah. Show some respect. Yes, Felipe. I mean, you are a legend to to those of us who've been politically organizing for a number of years, who come from like a radical tradition. I'm from Brooklyn. Uh, so your work has been monumental on the ground, and so I want to say also thank you for coming on our show. Really appreciate it, brother. Indeed. Well, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate that. Word. So, man, we're going gonna to hop right into it. Yeah. Uh, most folks, you know, they've heard of the Black Panther Party. You know what I'm saying? They've heard of, uh, uh, some folks heard of SNCC, Student Nonviolent right. Coordinating Committee. They know mm -hmm. about what went on uh, with the Civil Rights Movement, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. King. But right. rarely do they hear about groups like the Young Lords or the Brown Berets or, uh, or the Rainbow Coalition, co-founder of the Young Lords. Tell us about the history of who the Young Lords is and what was the purpose of the Young Lords in New York. The purpose of the Young Lords Party was to defend and protect the Puerto Rican community, to make sure that we were not out there alone, that our people were not out there alone. We had to provide a presence so that when they came through, they would know that there were men and women who were willing to die for their people. Prior to that, there had been some revolutionary groups in Puerto Rico that had made quite an impact. But nothing in the United States. There were organizations, there were institutions, but there was never a militant group of revolutionaries, socialist in their orientation, mm -hmm. uh, who were ready to fight with arms if need be, um, to defend the rights of their people to live, to educate themselves, to have decent housing, uh, to have decent jobs. You didn't see that happen. We were seen as nice peasants from South America. We were seen as people who would continue to work no matter what. Um, when we talk about what happened in the South, and when we talk about what happened to black people in this country, uh, the mass migration, what, what they did to bring us over here, um, we need to begin to understand that that was happening around the world and that the slaves, that the, the black folk who came here, who were put in chains, had a tremendous impact on the Caribbean on South America. Um, in fact, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but very few Africans went to the United States, 500,000 did. Mm -hmm. Six million or more, 12 million it's estimated, went to um, the Caribbean and South America. So that that area is for me, little Africa. There's an, been an enormous amount of uh, of uh, intermarriage so that many of them are light, fair, straight hair, that kind of stuff. But when you listen to the music, you know the Congo's there. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened was that as we grew um, and began to establish ourselves in our different nation states, 
we realized that Spain, which was the first slaveholder, um, had completely messed our parents' minds up, completely messed up the minds of most of the bourgeoisie in those countries. Um, and we went to hell. Uh, what is that uh, thing that uh, Jamie, Jamie Foxx did? Um, that movie where, where he has to shoot everybody up in the end? Oh, Django. 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 If you look, uh, if you read the history of South America and the Caribbean, um, it's 10 times worse than that. With gadgets that were used to uh, oppress people, um, burn them, humiliate them, it was disgusting. And what Native Americans did is they had to flee. Most of them died from the um, from the virus. We say most of them died because of smallpox. Mm -hmm. They didn't make it. So there was murder, there was humiliation, but there was also the fact that we were not immune to the white man's disease. Long story short, and I know I'm rambling on here. Um, what happened is that as we were growing up in the United States, we saw our mothers and fathers um, having to keep their mouths shut around the factory owners, keep their mouths shut in front of cops, keep their mouths shut when their sons were put in jail and beaten up on the streets, and when their daughters were raped. We couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. We came from a different generation. We were born in the civil rights struggle. So I give all praises to the black man who said, I'm going to stand up. Felipe, you want to join us? You, you want to join up with us? And I said, oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. Well, how did you get politicized? Like, what made you, what, what brought you to that consciousness that you're just describing? Was it something that happened in your family? Were you just always just, just being around during that time period? What sort no, of made I you was, I was, I was a Christian kid, man. I went to church um, uh, five days a week, seven days a week, actually, three times on Sunday. Hmm. Um, I believed in meritocracy. I believe that if you spoke well, acted nicely, and um, passed your test, that you would do exceptionally well in America, exceptionally well. Um, you could become a Boy Scout. You could become General Eisenhower. You could be, I was reading these bios at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I joined gangs. And when I joined gangs, I joined them because I was tired of being pushed around and knives put to my throat, and I had no backup. I didn't have a father, so I had no one who could come downstairs out the projects and say, hey, boy, don't touch my son. Nothing like that. I had to do it on my own. So um, when that happened for the first time in Brownsville, of all places, um, Brownsville in those days, I don't know how many of your listeners know what's happening in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was crazy, but Brownsville in those days was a rough place. So what I did is I said, I'll never be that vulnerable again, and I joined the gang. That gang experiences would actually help me to survive in the Young Lords. Mm. And what happened was um, I joined the gang. I learned how to fight street style. Uh, and then because somebody broke protocol, um, most of you who've been around Latinos know we have very strong, uh, strong laws about protection, especially of family. Family is everything to us. Mm -hmm. And this one brother who didn't like me so much um, got on my brother, beat up my brother real bad. I can't explain how important, how um, life rendering uh, and life downing family is to us. Um, it is the one thing that we've been able to preserve in this country. And we are tied to each other, even sometimes when we hate each other. Hmm. So what happened? The guy, I come home on a Saturday evening. I see my brother on a bed his face all broken up. And I said, who did this? And it was this guy who had, who had a beef with me. Now, prior to that, I had said to him and some of his fellas, I will not uh, join another gang. This is your territory. I got that. 
If you need somebody, I'll be there for you. But right now, I don't want to get into a gang because my mother's scared. Uh, I've already been through some stuff. And she doesn't want me to get, and I have been to Browns. We had gone to California, come back. And I don't want to worry her too much. They said, we got you. Um, you don't have to do that. But if we need you, will you come? I said, in a minute, man. This is my community, too. So that, I thought that was cool. And in those days, blacks and Puerto Ricans had a thing where we lived in each other's houses. There wasn't the kind of separation that you see now. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're totally separate. I'm saying it was beyond um, uh, we're all in this united front. No, no, no. The brothers that I hung with from South Carolina, those were my family members. They didn't knock on the door. They just walked in. They looked in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I went, and, and I was always hungry in those days because we were on welfare and we didn't have much. And, and they would see my lips white. My breath was bad. And they would say, you hungry? And I'd say, nah, I'm not hungry. And Miss Hargrove, uh, Cornell Hargrove's mother, my, that was my boy. That was my main kick buddy. Um, would say, he's hungry, ma. And they let me, I ate with, I ate with those people in Brownsville, black folk. They were the ones who nurtured me. Yeah, yeah. So what I did is, I, you know, I, I knew I was Puerto Rican, but I was definitively black. Now, what happens to make a long story, I tend to ramble. I, I went to, um, <laughs> after that, I, uh, so I went to get the guy who hit my brother. Uh, and as it turns out, one of my boys in the gang that I was with stabbed him and killed him. And everybody ran. I stayed there with him. I put the knife under the garbage can and I knew I was there. It changed my life forever. So that merit, that, that kid who wanted to be Archie in the comic books, mm-hmm. that kid who wanted to be, um, who was the Negro, you know, um, saw life as it was in the joint. And that's when I began to meet warriors. And that's when I began to know, understand what honor was. And that's when I began to understand that when you fight, fight to kill. Mm-hmm. Don't bullshit, don't talk too much. Hit that motherfucker in his face, knock him down, and make sure he's down for the count. Um, it doesn't matter how big he is. It doesn't matter. Do not take shit. And in jail, we got laws. There's the laws. There's certain things you don't do. Um, and if you do them, it's on you. It's an existential thing. You knew when you came in. So I grew up like that. So slowly but surely, the the nation of Islam had a which had a tremendous influence. I began to read some of the stuff, and we started. I mean, it was deep. My crime partners and I knew that we were going to do time. I knew I was going to go with DA said, well, Felipe, you're going away. And, two, and, and the guy who stabbed him is going away. Now, we need one more. So it turns out another, one of our boys. This is how deep it was. Listen much, to this. How much time did you do, bro? How much time you did? Huh? How much time five did years, you do? Five but, years. But five years. But I only did two. <laughs> there, was a, there was a really earnest attempt uh, to rehab people. Mm-hmm. We were kids, man. This was no, We didn't mean to go out and kill them. Yeah. So I was busted for murder, but they broke it down to attempted manslaughter, too. Um, so skip, skip I ahead. Come out for of jail. I want, I'm I sorry. I want you to skip ahead for us. I want to. I want to hear about. So how did you, the, the politicalization part of it? Right. Yeah. So I, I first of all, I started arguing with Muslims in the joint, and it, it honed my skills. It hones your skills. Yaku, six billion, sixty billion years. <laughs> um, what the white man has done to you. That's why you acting like this. I mean, they used to jump on my back. They said, see, see, the reason we love you, we love hanging out with you, because at least you got a little bit of splib in you, but you got a lot of Yaku too. You got to get that shit out of you. <laughs> and I was, I said, what are you talking about, man? Yaku, 60 billion years. Muslims allowed me to begin to think and, and fight for myself. Um, I come out of the joint and uh, 
my mother had to go uh, to to New York because they threatened her in Brooklyn. Uh, one of the guys that I knew, who was part of this guy's crew, threatened to show her the knife and stuff. Uh, he, interestingly enough, he died uh, for doing that. Um, but anyway, uh, long story short, I came out of jail. And when I came out of jail, I spoke to a poet named Victor Hernandez Cruz and was telling him, I don't know what to do, man. I'm, I'm here on 125th Street. I lived on 125th Street right across the street from the last poets. And he said, uh, from the East Wind, a, a loft we used to have. And he said, why don't you go over there and speak to a guy named Guylin Kane? And I went to the loft and Guylin Kane was sitting like this, just like this in the dark, man, and just by himself. And I went up there and said, your name Kane? He said, yeah. He said, what do you want? He was totally impersonal, didn't give a shit, but it didn't deter me because I knew I didn't want to go back to jail for bullshit. So he said, what do you want? And I said, look, man, let me, let me put it to you straight. I'm a black Puerto Rican, goes to church six times, seven times a week. Um, I've just came out to jail for murder. Uh, I love philosophy. I love reading. Uh, I've been raised in a Pentecostal faith, which is madness for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Um, and I don't want to go back to the joint. Um, I don't like people fucking with me. I'm, sh I'm not as tall as I'd like to be. I'm not as strong as I'd like to be. But damn, if I'm going to be a punk on these streets. And so he kept on listening to me. He said, yeah. He said, what can you do? And I said, I don't know. He said, what can you do? Can you, can you, are you a carpenter? I said, yeah, I lied. Yeah, I'm a carpenter. He said, well, we need a door built on this stage, nigga. So can you build a door? And I looked at this motherfucker. I said, is, is he insane? I ain't gonna build no fucking door for this dude. He said, you need, you gotta have some skills, man. What do they teach you in the joint? And so I lied and I said, yeah. First lesson, you need, if you, whatever you need, you do what you need to do to get what you need. So I said, yeah, of course I know how to build. Abi Odun tells me now that he knew I was lying my ass off. So, but what, what is the door? You build, uh, build a little door on the stage, a facsimile of a door. You put two by four here, one over there, and you put nails in it. Anyway, we started the East Wind, and we had wonderful uh, cultural shows there. But we also had political workshops, which I led. My political workshop was called, in the beginning, Black Power. And I noticed some Puerto Rican guys coming. We never had Puerto Ricans coming up there until I started that workshop. And I said, what the fuck are they doing here? Now, I'm not trying to put us down. I'm not a self-hater. But basically, I have found that where there are a lot of black people, Puerto Ricans tend to, uh, I don't know. You know, Are we going to be accepted? Mm. Well, fuck yeah, you're going to be accepted. I'm there. But they came and they said, look, man, we're, we're trying to start something. We heard you're here. And you're doing something on black power. We would like you to join our group called the Society by the Bisu Campos. And I said, all right. You know, so... What is it about? Well, we want to raise the consciousness of our people, yada, 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 yada. And I heard all this shit before. Now, remember, I'm coming from a gang mentality now. Mm -hmm. Are y'all down? If the shit hits the fan, are you willing to shoot a motherfucker to keep him from hurting your family and your community? And I said, I don't think so. So I'm going to be very nice. I'm going to tell you right now, like you guys, I think I'm glad that you've come to my workshop. I'm passing. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. I hope you come again. As I was uh, walking away from them, an old dope fiend who, I don't know how to explain this. We have dope fiends who nod and everything and they go to school, they go to college. I don't know how they do it, man. They're functional addicts. He said, yo, man. His name is Roberto Ortiz. Grabbed me on the side. Yo, man, why you do that to them? Now, I had already been told by Rap Brown that I could not do that. I had to come 
Oh, no, I'll tell you about that later. Yeah. Well, so stop. I well, do me a favor, though. You got to stop right there because we got to take our first break. So I want to hear the rest of the story. Okay. So we're going to be right back okay. on Renegade Culture right after this. No doubt. Peace and much love. I am Minister Server right here with your hip hopstery. Y'all know who this is? Yo, this is Boogie Down Production, their first classic album, Criminal Mind. Now, if you look a little closer on here, with what album is it? Let me want. Good noise, good noise. <laughs> <laughs> MC Shan. <laughs> As Shan comes in, peace and much love. I am Minister Server right here with your hip hopstery. Y'all know who this is? This is Boogie Down Production, and this is their first album, Criminal Minded. If you look closely at this landmark album, what was significant about this is that they were the first ones on a rap album cover with guns and ammo and things of that nature. Now, people took it as gangster, but it really wasn't gangster. It was really revolutionary. You see the tam on and the, and the ammo around it. Now, they were from the South Bronx, Scott LaRock and KRS-One. Now, Scott LaRock, unfortunately, was the first known hip-hop artist that was killed, and his murder is still unsolved, y'all. KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions went on to do four different albums, and then KRS-One went solo. When you think about the history of Boogie Down Productions, KRS-One stands out. Knowledge reigned supreme over nearly everyone. Back during this album, he was homeless. Scott LaRock was his uh, caseworker, and he was calling himself the teacher back in 87, and he's been consistently as the teacher. So when you're studying hip-hop history, you have to check out Boogie Down Productions. Word. What's happening? You know what I'm saying? Renegade Coach in the building. I know. Back with the hot, hot show. Okay. It's Kalani John Chang in the building. Kamal K. Franklin. How you doing, Kamal? I'm doing real good, man. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation with somebody who I consider like this, just like, you know, steeping that history of oh, like yeah? political organizing. So it's real exciting for me. That's great. That's great. See, uh, Felipe, you know, one of the things that Kamal gets pumped up whenever he catches a brother on here that's light skinned. Oh, here we go. Too many light skinned brothers and shit. So well, that's cold blooded. I'm just that's trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you what the people love. That's no, not. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was just going to remark Don't do too. That. I know. You know. Don't do them like that. I was just going to remark though. Like you know when oh, you were telling the story about being hungry and and your breath stinking and the white stuff around your mouth. That's like Kalanji that's all the time. Every day. So that's how I got to deal with that, brother. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. Damn, Kalanji. Yeah, that was dope, that was dope, that was dope. No, so, Brother Felipe, let's get back into it, man. Anyway, Felipe. Um, so we, we wanted so to hit, so, get. So I'm in Harlem, I'm in Harlem teaching a seminar on, uh, with the East Winds in our, in our loft called the East Wind. And I noticed that a group of Puerto Ricans keep on coming up to the loft. And they asked me to join their group. It wasn't the Young Lords yet. And I already know, just from looking at them, the way their swag or their lack thereof, I knew they weren't ready for big time. I knew it. Um, so I said, look, I, you know, I like you all and all that stuff. And I th I'm happy that you're coming here. But you're not ready for the shit. And you know you're not ready. So I don't, I'd rather not uh, join you. You know, I'd rather continue doing what I'm doing here. Uh, one of the g group uh, was an old dope fiend from 111th Street. Uh, who, he was nodding as he was listening to me. And I knew he wasn't being disrespectful. He was just going through the dance. And he perked up and he said, can I talk to you outside, man? I said, no, talk to me right the fuck here, man. I ain't going outside. And he said, look, man, these motherfuckers don't know what they're asking for. They don't know. First of all, they're not black enough. You know that, and I know that. He was a black Puerto Rican. He said, but who's going to teach him if you ain't going to teach him? Mm. Who's going to do the shit? Are you just going to let them go out there and get their asses beat? I said, if they're stupid enough to get their asses beat, if they're stupid enough to do it, then, you know, you got to take the consequences, baby. That's the way it works. Uh, he said, no, it doesn't. Somebody's got to teach. Somebody had to show him how to do it. So I didn't want to, he was blowing me up, but he wasn't blowing me up in a self-aggrandizing. He was, he was just saying, 
The, and he said, then he said something interesting. He said, these guys are sincere, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. All, all the dope fiends like them. I said, they do this? Yeah, they like these little motherfuckers because they go around asking the right questions. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. He said, no, man, don't think about it. Do it. I, didn't, I said, I'll talk to you later. I said, I didn't say anything. Galen Kane came by after, the, after these guys left and said, what color are you really? Hmm. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, what color are you? Because you're acting like you don't know who your, what your color is. What the fuck does that have to do, Kane? What does it have to do with revolutionary fervor? What does it have to do with revolutionary ideology? So he pushed me up against the wall and said, I know what color I am. Now, I don't know how he jumped from politics to, to racism to colorism, but that's where he felt. He said, you got you to join those guys. You know, you're thinking that you're all of that. And you're not. You're not going to be anything without your people. I said, these are my fucking people, Kane. I'm with my people. He said, I understand that. But this specific, that, that branch of them, the Latinos don't know what the fuck they're doing. So you got to go over there and talk to them and explain to them this. Mm. I said, how are they going to understand Marcus Garvey? How are they going to understand Fred, uh, Frederick Douglass? How are they going to understand the? How are they going to do it? He said, I don't, I don't know. He told me, I don't know. But I know that you got to be the one to do it. You got to leave this place, the, the last place. You got to and go and do what you got to do. Mm. So I'm, I'm wondering, what the fuck? I felt betrayed, man. I was crying and shit. I ran outside, and I went to Rap Brown's house. He and I were very close, still are. Knocked on his door, and I told him what happened. He just listened to me very sagaciously. Rap is one of the wisest, one of the bravest brothers I've ever met. And I'm serious about that. Mm. I've never seen anyone, anyone with that much wisdom and that much heart, man, just pure heart. So he said, sit down, baby boy, what's up? I said, Kane just told me, that, I, that, that no matter how black I was, I, no matter how light I was, I was still black. Um, and he told me um, that I needed to join this group that came over and started bullshit. And Rep had seen these guys before, so he knew who I was talking about. He, they had tried to throw some stuff at him about, um, you know, we're not really black. And Rap twirled him around, man. Had to put put in, They had to build a new asshole. He just put it. <laughs> he, he didn't care if you were Puerto Rican and you didn't understand politics. Mm-hmm. He said, this is the truth. We are Africans. Now, to say that to a Puerto Rican in 1968, 7, you out your mind. But he did it. And that's what I was preaching. So now what happens is I said, Rap, what am I going to do? He said, well, you, if you, don't, don't make a decision. Now, why don't you come with me to Baton Rouge, Louisiana? The next week, he took me to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're in, in a football game. And I'm watching all of these people, black, white, you know, Indian or Indian looking, Having a ball, holding each other, drinking beers, and I said, "Rap, this is this is what the new America should be. This is what it should look like." And he said, "Nigga, stand up for a minute." And he took his glasses <laughs> off. He said, "Everyone, everyone in here is black. They're light skinned they're mulatto, they're quadroon, uh, they're octroon. Everyone in here is black." The reason I brought you here is so that you can see that we're just like Puerto Rico. We got the same shit happening with us. Some of these motherfuckers we don't trust. Mm-hmm. But in the end, even a house nigga can be useful. He said, so I'd like you to think about that. You need to love your people a little more. You need to be less rigid about how you judge people. He said, if I looked at you and saw you coming down the block with your little books and shit and a part in your hair like this here, I would say you're a middle-class Negro and I wouldn't have nothing to do with you. That's not what I do. I think you're a smart guy. I love having you around. My wife loves you having you around. Mm -hmm. So did you get back? 
Huh? I'm going to skip ahead, though. So what happened when you went back to New York? And, so I went back. I joined them. It was, it was a society of Albizu Campos. Uh, it was a student group. We started throwing garbage in the streets because we felt that that was a major health hazard. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, we began to escalate in terms of offensives, in terms of stance against the state. Mm -hmm. um, it was difficult because a lot of us, a lot of our parents were not used to us doing this. Um, but the first thing we did, the first thing we did is started cleaning up the street. We started asking people, what are the major contradictions? What are the major problems we have in our community? Now, I was hoping that they would say um, police, yeah. because I thought that what we needed was armed struggle right then and there, right in East Harlem. Fuck them. Let's go to let's, If we die, we die. But they ain't going to fuck with us no more. Thank God for wisdom and older people. They said, no, baby boy, it's not that. It's garbage. Look at all this garbage around here. And I said, well, it's time for me to book. Let me jet. I'm not going to be a revolutionary dealing with garbage. Bobby Seale taught me something. He said, you take the objective conditions of your people. And that's what you argue around. That's what you do. Take scientific socialism and wrap it around the objective conditions of your people. I thought about that. I was going to say, damn. And listen to your people. We as advanced progressive do not listen to our folks. We're not listening to our folks now. Mm -hmm. So anyway, to make a long story. We'll talk about what happened with Biden and why we better start listening to, to black mothers and fathers mm -hmm. and church members. So I did it. I swept the streets. When they didn't pick up the garbage, we threw it back on the streets until they began to understand that we were not going to go until they fixed it. Eventually, they started picking up the garbage. And to this day, the garbage is picked up regularly in this community. And, and um, this the also, next thing we did. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Because there was a famous story about uh, some healthcare stuff at a hospital. Oh, um, yeah. Well, the next thing we did was Lincoln Hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A woman had a late term pregnancy, aborted, terminated, and they killed her. She mm -hmm. died on the table. And we decided to occupy the hospital. Now, I say that fairly lightly, glibly, but there's nothing glib about it. To take over a hospital in New York City, you've got to be either mad or rich. We were, we were neither. We took over the hospital to, uh, to highlight the conditions in that hospital. Mm -hmm. It was poor. They didn't care about people. They experimented on people. They weren't treating Puerto Ricans or blacks well. We took the hospital. The hospital was 11 stories high, the part that we took over. So what we did is we trained uh, for about a month, running around Central Park. Running, not, it's not around Central Park, but upon, uh, we call it the Holland Mirrors. There's a little lake right there, starting from 110th Street. And man, we trained until we could run effortlessly for 10, 15 minutes, nonstop. Um, we started taking up martial arts more seriously because we believed in martial arts. We didn't believe in showing our guns. I thought that was stupid. And I, I told some of our comrades, <laughs> I don't, you can, y'all can do that in Oakland. We can't do that here. Mm -hmm. okay. So sure enough, we were ready. On the day we took that over, it looked like Normandy. You know that scene where those guys come out the boats? Mm -hmm. Come out, man, those young men and women was made me so proud. They didn't, they didn't ask me what I need to do. Everybody had their assigned task. It was wonderful. It was like special ops, man. It was yeah. wonderful, wonderful How long time. did y'all hold the hospital so, for? What were some of the we major for, demands? Check this out. We only held it for a day, but we made our point. Yeah. Made our point. The, the cops uh, started to attack. We knew they sent the uh, city's negotiators in, and I knew already when they were getting tired and they wanted to jam us up. So I, we gave the word. We got out safely. And the way we got out safely, and our, our, our uh, modus operandi was maximum damage, minimal loss of life. Hmm. 
I would hope that many of our brothers and sisters understand. Maximum, da maximal damage, minimum loss of life or injury. So we had found a, uh, a tunnel that led you out into the streets. It was an old underground railroad tunnel. And so when the cops busted in, breaking it, we heard it. We went under the tunnel and got away. Um, they hated us for that one. Well, to this day, now you have a Lincoln Hospital in New York City that treats patients right. It's a wonderful hospital. Um, not as much, I mean, it's not Mount Sinai, it's not Cornell, <laughs> but for a city hospital, if, if you get shot in New York City or in the Bronx and you need to go somewhere, you don't want to go to a hospital that's uh, hoity-toity. You want to go to Lincoln because they'll save your life. Well, right, hold on one second. We're going to take another quick break in a few seconds. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's amazing because uh, Richie Perez, who was a mentor to a lot of organizers in the 90s in New York, I was, I was one of them. You know, he would also tell some of these sort of great stories about the young mm -hmm. lords and, and give similar advice around what, the importance of organizing, hitting the streets and, mm -hmm. and doing it in mass and even coalition building. So we want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And we want to talk about what's happening today and what some of your opinions are around organizing today and some of the general political atmosphere. Along, along with the spread of the young lords, because of the fact that we know that young lords weren't just in New York, um, and really, to be honest with you, is just so much that you talked about. I'm, I'm interested in knowing how they came up with the name uh, around Abisu. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that I think that Abisu is one of the brothers who are not who, who's not spoken about when you talk yeah, about. He's a Malcolm X of Puerto, Puerto Rico. Right, right. So, but but folks don't know that him yeah. and um, you know so many other brothers, uh, 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 Lolita, LeBron, uh, sisters, and. Uh, and, and, and so many other folks. So we'll, be, we'll be getting back to that yeah. in the next second. Okay. Next segment. Renegade culture. Yes. Yo, my man's like the Latino John Q. Had the renegade coaches in the building. Yo, we back, back, back. I might have to teach Felipe the um, renegade coach a theme song now. How about you don't? Oh, uh, man. We're going anyway. <laughs> before it's over, Felipe, I got a song for you. We're going to do that at the end. Okay. I don't, don't want to take up the cool. time with that right now. Cool. Speaking cool. of that, it'd be dope if Felipe could kick some bars, man. You still spitting, Felipe, or what? Oh, yeah. I got several poems. I wanna, I'm putting out a book this year. Okay. What, what, what's the chance of us closing out with you doing something when we're when we, when we doing what we're doing? You gonna do a poem for us when we wrap up? Is that cool? Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. okay. So speak. So since we just mentioned poetry, I do want to definitely get back to the last poet. Some story. I mean, the um, the, the young lords. But since mm -hmm. we talked about poetry, I don't know if everybody knows that you are an original member of the last poets, right? Yes, yes sir. So you talk yes, a little sir. bit about how that group got formed and your relationship with it. Well, um, the guys were kind of. Uh, Kane um, lived here. Abby Odun was from Queens. David Nelson was studying at Columbia University. Um, and so they were the first ones. And we should just make that clear. It was mm. Kane, it was David Nelson, it was Abiy Odun Oyewole. Um, and they, on one of the um, Marcus Garvey birthday celebrations, they went to a park and they were asked to do a, maybe a group, a group thing um, around poetry. And it, it, it worked so naturally and so pretty that they decided to form a group. 
And David called it, based on a, a poem from Willie Cocosili from South Africa, the great South African poet, um, the last poets. They decided, because he puts that word in one of his poems, we're the last poets of the world. And so he said, why don't we call ourselves the last poets? And it stuck. Um, it became wildfire in, East, in Harlem. People loved them. They were just kicking. Cain is an incredibly gifted poet. Uh, David is is just incisive and and subversive with his gentleness. You can be subversive being calm. And Abi Odun had the pulse of the people. I mean, he could spit with the best of them. And he be, actually he was the first one who started on that on that rap stuff. Um, Cain couldn't stand it because he thought it was pablum. You know, he's like Hallmark cards, everything <laughs> rhymes. He said, no, man, that's not where it's at. But Abiel Dune already knew instinctively that this is where it was going. Um, so I came in on the latter end of that, around 60, latter part of 67 um, and into 68. And hanging around with them enough got me, I started wanting to do poetry with them. I admired the way they looked on stage. I admired what they said on stage. And sure enough, one day I did a poem and it was so corny that uh, everybody stood silent after I finished because we used to do auditions for ourselves. And they said, where did you pick that shit up from? In the forest, faces follow, follow, follow. You know, they said, cut that alliteration shit out. It has to be about liberation, man. It has to be about our people. It has to be our revolution. The fuck are you doing, man? Are you, are you quoting Tennyson? What are you doing? So sure enough, I, I became a fast, uh, an avid, and a quick study of poetry. Mm -hmm. I wrote Hebat on My Pretty Nigga in 1969. And it is one of the poems we're all identified with. That's the poem that identifies me. Um, so I became a member of the last poets um, and stayed with them. Now, in those days, you could you could actually make a living writing poetry. We went all over the country. We went to Florida, we went to Ohio, we went to Massachusetts. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And we read our poetry. Unfortunately, the group couldn't stay together because of any number of leadership uh, and ego issues. Um, so we, we broke up and it's unfortunate, but it was there that I started my transition from poetry to the Young Lords mm -hmm. because I didn't feel that I could talk all this revolutionary stuff on stage and not represent. Mm. I couldn't do it. It was yeah. like a vacuum in me. I knew I had to manifest that energy in, in a revolutionary uh, way. Now we and talked about we, we talked about before the break some of the actions that the last uh, that the young lords were taking. Yes, um, we were talking about the hospital takeover. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had some wonderful warriors mm -hmm. um, who uh, prepared us for it. They prepared us. Uh, remember, I told you how we took we took this over. We had to run. We had to learn martial arts. I'm going to say something that I think needs to be said here right now. We were an armed socialist Puerto Rican group. That's what we were. We were not Boy Scouts. We were not doing nice things for nice people. We were ready to die for what we believed. And unfortunately, there seems to be a revisionism around that says the Young Lords were a gang, and we were in the beginning in Chicago, but that they were, you know, we were cute colored kids. That's not what was happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we were ready. Um, we had bought the guns, we were ready for it, but we just didn't think it was necessary to bring them out at that time. So it was black people who led me into the Young Lords. I tried to explain this to people. It was Rap Brown who said, you got to come back. It was Kane who said, "You." Rap Brown was the man who's now called El Jamil uh, Alamin, who told me, you've got to serve your people, brother. You can't just stay here uh, proclaiming blackness. You got to go into that community again and work it and work it. But Kane, they don't understand they're black, so teach them they're black. But Kane, they don't know how to shoot, then teach them how to shoot. 
But Kay, they don't know. Some of them don't know how to read. Then teach them how to read, nigga. <laughs> don't stand there and talk about how how revolutionary That's you right. are, and you're That's not right. willing to sweat That's and right. take the brickbats. Mm -hmm. So what? You're, you're smart. You're you you you're a smart guy. You're an intellectual. Mm -hmm. Make the ideas of revolution palatable to the people. You know, and I always got along with street folks. I am street. I grew up in the project, and that's how it happened. So after in Lincoln Hospital, we took it over. And do you know something? It took them a long time to meet our demands. We wanted a Puerto Rican administrator. We wanted a Bill of Rights for patients. We wanted uh, more money allocated mm -hmm. to the hospital. Um, it took time, but they built a new one. Were you surprised? They got rid of the old fast, one, me, then they me, built a new one. Were you surprised how fast the Young Lords took off in terms of people uh, sort of wanting to know about it, being a part of it? Uh, we had mentioned before about some of the folks who like helped lead struggles later on, but you yeah. guys became, you know, part of that iconic, those iconic groups of the '60s and '70s as a sort of a leading revolutionary group. So, would, would you surprised at how fast it took over, or how many people wanted to join or be a part of I it? I was more than surprised. I was a bit concerned. Yeah. Because the the growth was not organic. The growth has to be organic. If it's not organic and people are just joining it because it's a great idea, because it's an idea whose time has come, be careful with that. Because there are no, there are no roots in the community. So you're growing laterally, but you're, you're growing laterally, but not vertically. You, you have to grow with the tree growing up and the roots in the ground. And that was one of the problems we had in the Lords, that we were, half of us were there because we believed in the independence of Puerto Rico, uh, and self-determination for all people of color. And the others were there because they wanted to defend the streets. They wanted to defend their homes, their families. There's a difference. There's a different kind of, of, of dynamic uh, between, between um, earth revolutionaries or traditional revolutionaries who are defending the land, free the land, and those who simply want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Right. You got to be careful with that. It's not that you can't work together. It's that there's a different motivational zeal there. My, Z, my family's been here 100 years. How the fuck are you going to come here and tell me what to do with my buildings? No, it's not going to happen, man. Mm -hmm. So I feel an attachment to these streets. Some of the young lords, not all, but some of them were intellectual and, and thought that this was a, a wonderful thing to do for our people. No, 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 no. This was more than that. Albizu was a working class guy. Albizu Campos um, was a working class guy. We loved him and we taught him in our, and we had PE classes, political education. Now, you couldn't be a young lord unless you read all this stuff. Mm. So we believed in education. So anyway, he was a guy, dark skinned, who believed that you could go to college and still kick ass. He went to Harvard, spoke seven languages, and led a revolutionary movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where are our college students now, our postgrad students, our mm -hmm. doctoral students? That's where we need them on the streets. I'm not saying that they, that they shouldn't be doctors and they shouldn't be accountants. What else are you doing? Right. And there would, therein lied the difference, lay the difference between many of us who left college and went into the streets and those who stayed there. So Abisu um, had the spirit of Che Guevara, the spirit of... Right. Of, who was uh, a doctor. Fidel, who was a lawyer. Fidel, who was a lawyer. So, so, so forth. So, Bobby Seale, who was a NASA engineer. Right. Uh, Huey Newton, who was a political science major and graduated, had a doctorate. Right, the, right. When people look at revolution, sometimes they think of it as romantic. It is not romantic. Mm -hmm. You're scared most of the time. When you have to go underground, you're really scared because you can't con contact family members. You can't, you're scared. And when you get busted, you're either going to die or you're going to spend a lot of time in jail. These are the realities that we have to face up to. But I believe that there's no success without sacrifice. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. If you're doing this, people ask me, aren't you, 
you, you, but you could have been making so much money. You could have been this, you could have been that. <laughs> True. But this is what God made me. Mm -hmm. right. So I want to jump a little bit. This is how God motivated me. He told me to kid, come out here and talk to Talk to your people. I want Talk to jump. To I want to jump a little bit towards you know, the, unfortunately, like some of the demise of the young lords, and some some of us have heard some of the struggle between sort of the socialist politics and the nationalist yeah. politics. So, in in sort of a, a short encapsulation, what what would you what say? Happened, led yeah, to what the happened end? is that there, the, we had folks, and this is CoinTelPro, which is a government program that's mm -hmm. designed to disrupt uh, groups of color. They knew that there was the has always been a division. Um, between those Puerto Ricans who are from the island and those who are from the United States. The truth is, is that we've loved each other all these years. We have families. We go back every summer. Everybody knows what the deal is with Puerto Ricans. But when we, when, when, um, we had a huge fight, um, first of all, they, they demoted me because of a woman issue. I was called a male chauvinist. I was unclear in my politics. Um, once they demoted me, I could have handled it had they, this is my excuse, it may be an excuse, I don't know. But I, don't, I didn't mind the demotion. What I minded is the cruel, um, almost fascistic way they treated me. I helped build the party, I was the co-founder, but and yet they were going by me, bumping into me and shit. Now what was I gonna do, slash them? These were kids that I knew. Mm -hmm. So I said, if this is what we've taught them, then we've gone the wrong way with this. I wouldn't be, they didn't talk to me for days. It was, it was a horrible feeling, so I quit. I said, I'm not going to go through this. I have put my life on the line for these people. And um, there was, Pro began to exploit that. There are two th ways uh, a group can be hurt. Uh, through agent provocateurs and agent saboteurs. The agent saboteurs like to talk a lot. Well, you know, um, uh, Kalanji, uh, I saw him with this white girl, man, and he had his tongue all in her mouth. They, they don't have to do anything. They've already destroyed it. Um, well, I saw I saw his boy, man, uh, the one he does a program with, man. I don't know, man. He was with a gay guy. I don't know, man. It, shit like that mm -hmm. destroys a party. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go and punch this motherfucker in his face, and he said, I'm sorry, man. It's too late. The damage has been done. Right. Um, so the one thing that we had that. that we believed in, and that I believed in, and that we taught, the first thing you need in building a revolutionary organization is ideology. What do you believe? Do you want to make money? Because if you want to make money, be honest with yourself and go out and do that. Do you want to see a change in government? A change in the way we live? Join a revolutionary organization. Hmm. Ideology. Next word, L, leadership. People sometimes say that you don't really need leadership and Black Lives Matter uh, has done that to some extent. Remember the, the, the Occupy Wall Street? Mm -hmm. When that happened, yeah. yeah, the lack of leadership caused them to kind of peter out. No, that's right. You need leaders who are strong, leaders who lead, uh, and they have to know that the target is on their back. So let me stop you here. So, so let's talk about today. Let's talk about you. You, you just sort of hit. Well, on that's some exactly stuff. what I'm. That's I was yeah. getting at that, and the other thing yeah, is organization. Leave me alone. Leave Elo, me alone. I call it Elo, oh, no, no, thread no. in Spanish. <laughs> today, we have organizations that are aspiring to be good, mm -hmm. that are aspiring to lead our people. But there's no concrete, substantive meat on the bone. Mm -hmm. We need we need institutions. We need places where people can go. Where do I go to learn this stuff? And it's not only school. It has to be a place. Where do I go? Um, it has to. Revolutionary meetings have to be like church. You go there every week. 
And we haven't done that. We don't have to dis. We're so busy trying to make money. Mm. Wait a minute, I, you know, I got to meet. Hey, man, I love y'all. Power to the people. I got, I got a wife and two kids home. Well, if revolution does not affect and does not motivate that particular father of that family, then it's not doing his job. I believe that the reason the young Lord survived is because we preached it, we lived it, we talked it, we acted it. My mother understood it. My mother didn't want me to do it, to ask me with tears and eyes, please don't do this anymore because the church is talking about you. My brother joined it. My sister joined it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. It has to be. It, you have to have the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost in you. Mm -hmm. The same way I was in, in, the, in the Pentecostal church, you have to have that. Revolution when revolution imbues, burrows itself in your heart to the point where you're willing to die for what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And again, I am not suggesting that people die. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. had a major heart operation and I was uh, resigned you know, to it. I said, well, I, I lived my life. I've done a good life. I, I was always down. My daughter came over and she said, no, 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 no. You, it's easy to die for the revolution. I want you to live for the revolution. And so I saw it from another perspective. What I'm suggesting is this, that coin help, there will always be people who will try to destroy any unity by people of color. Don't you understand what's happening in this country right now? Mm -hmm. White folks are telling you to your face, I don't like you, I don't wanna be around you, and I'm scared that you're gonna take leadership because you're gonna do to us what we did to you. Yeah. So my, la my last question to sort of wrap up this segment before we actually just hit some bars is, because I mean, this is a complaint I think I have too, I think a lot of us have who do some radical politics, is that we see so much energy, particularly now in the black community, and I know this has been around for a little while, but particularly now, like, you know, towards this sort of liberal politic of, of, of voting people in or civic engagement, and it's all about getting the latest Democrat in because somehow they're supposed to solve our problems. But then we've sort of, it's, it's almost like this movement capture where our folks have been sort of brought into this and then the radical stuff is left to the side. People are now using radical language to do mainstream political work. So what is your view of like where you think, you know, this, this, this political mainstream is taking our folks and our culture when it comes to the politics? The job of dominant culture and the job of capitalism is to co-opt you. That's their job. Don't get mad at that. Mm -hmm. The job, the, per, uh, the business of America is business. It's not serving people. It's not helping them with Hurricane Katrina or helping them in the stimulus package. They don't give a fuck. The job is to make money. If we understood the principles of capitalism, we wouldn't be all upset when they do this shit. This is their nature. This is what they're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? What we're supposed to be doing is building organizations that are geared to um, the quality of life of our people building the culture that way, raising consciousness, going to churches and talking about it without, without berets and all that, saying this is, this is what Jesus would have done. That's how I do it. This, uh, uh, talking to um, some of our rap artists who are still fucked up in the head and need to be told, <laughs> hey, brother, I love you, man, <laughs> but your shit is whack. Let's do this. Can we move in this direction? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Um, yeah. We need more demonstrations. We need more people saying, you are not going to come in and shoot a 12-year-old boy in the stomach. It's not going to happen. Mm. We need people who understand that there's going to come a time in this country um, where you're going to be asked to make a choice. Do you agree with the oppressor or don't you? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm telling you, we are in a very, very precarious period here in this country. And I think it's pre-Civil War. Yeah, I no. think we're headed, if, if, based on what this guy has been saying, Trump, the bump, <coughs> How, he, he's saying basically 
I want, even if I lost, I won. Mm -hmm. And I want white people to win. Don't mm -hmm. let these niggas take over. Right. I will destroy this uh, Obama's legacy. And I will never let them think that for one minute they can rule this country because they're not educated. Right. They're immigrants, they're rapists, they're predators. Now, what we have to do is not get caught up in that, but rather build. Mm -hmm. Make sure that our kids stay in school. Make sure our families are intact. A lot of us don't understand a family is the bastion of all revolution. Um, make sure that we're honest with each other. Make sure that we love each other. Make sure that we talk and we don't hide our grievances. Very often we say, well, let's keep, let's keep it to ourselves. Let's, let's not say anything in the meetings. There are times when you have to. However, you can't allow people to come. Gossip is the worst thing we have in our community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's destroyed more leaders than a little bit. So if we can find an issue in our community that galvanizes people to, to, to work, and a lot of it can be done through dance, too. A lot of us don't know how to dance. So we don't go into these clubs. We don't, we don't move our asses. <laughs> and these young boys are like, yo, what's up, y'all? And we sit in there saying, power to the people. They don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> Can you dance, motherfucker? Come over here and move your ass. Then you can talk to them. Can you fight? We need to, we need to get ourselves involved in martial arts. We need marksmanship training. Mm -hmm. Because when they come through here, and they will, uh, and you have given up all your guns, you in trouble. Mm -hmm. so, so what I'm suggesting is this. The people are always the answer. Yes, right. Always the answer. And I think we need to get more involved on the streets, more involved in these projects, more involved in bringing these cats from the joint and re readjusting them to the world. I think if we could just find a $250 allotment for a school crossing guard, for a, a school security guards and put the brothers who just came out of jail and put them in the schools, I'm, I promise you there will be no problem in the school. <laughs> so, yo, so on that note, what yes. we want from you, brother, is you said that you still do some poetry, you still can can throw down yeah, a couple I have, of bars. I have, I have to, let, me, let me let me see if I can hold on. Right, you yeah. got you hold gonna on. make us hold on? Yeah. Let, let, it's let right me. here. It's right here. Let me get the yeah. poem. All right, go get that poem. For, for the listeners, when you talk about hip hop, and you're not talking about the last poets, and you're not talking about Gil Scott Heron, mm -hmm. or you're not talking about uh Oscar Brown Jr., you know what I'm saying? Um, or some of the modern folks, Sonny Patterson, you know what I mean, Amir Suleiman. You know what I mean? And John Good, whose sister was just on here last week, then you're not talking about what you think okay. you're talking about. You know what I mean? Shout out to Jessica Care Moore, Ursula Rucker, you know what I mean? Um, and Georgia Me, can't forget Georgia Me, Abyss, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Tommy Bottoms, who, who, who's a confused Republican, but we still love him, he's been on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, tonight, we have a special treat. Matter of fact, this is the second last poet that we've had on this show. We've had Abby O'Doon some, uh, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. he's, you know one, I mean? he's a wonderful poet, man, mm -hmm. and no a doubt. beautiful human being. Yes. My brother. Yes. yes. And um, let me read this to you. This is called Madness. Okay. Now, wait a minute now. You got a lot of pages, so we, we only got a few That's more. That's all right. All right, you're going to do a short first. <laughs> he, let, let the man rock, man. Do, do it there. I'm just saying. Hey. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Handle your business, Felipe. Do your thing. You do yeah. you. It's you all right. right. He you know, that's what I mean. He, 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 he doesn't he know no better. My bad, my bad. He's he, he from Canarsie. He's from Canarsie. Brooklyn. Go ahead, brother. Spit your joint. Right. <laughs> I am right next to the point of madness now. Slipping through flurries of dreams, black. Pushing past hazy visions of things I knew were real, black. Jutting past the barrier of spiritual pain that has no definition. It just is black. Am I looking for the 60s? Am I looking for a clear bell-like trumpet call to arms? Is it bebop I'm pining for? 
or the twist of a Cuban rumba stick on a fat fingered palm so thick the smack he gives the congas gives life to rap new rhythms not born yet but coming not sung yet but seen not talked about for fear your mama yeah your mama will call the ambulance and blame it on the crack in your brain where the confusion ends the convolutions begin we are because we were we will be because we are the simple fact of the matter is you can't live without me b you can't love without me see you can't progress without the purplest gold tooth hip hop and feel footed bloodline in Harlem because in the end he thrives and survives on your rhetoric and bullshit programs for rehabilitation. Of what? To what end? And who said so? My mother says it's faith. How dare you contradict that? Faith in the unseen, faith in the mystery of brown babies talking Spanish real good and playing ball like magic, dunking silly concepts of education coming from memorizers who will never, do you hear me? Never understand what really happened between Sugar Ray and Hagler. Who will never understand why Max Roach plays like he has three hands. Why Mongo Santa Maria smiles when he punches your face with sound. Why Puente will never really leave a hunting street. And why you keep coming back for more. You know what you feel? You feel what you think and what you really think would make this country want to elect Farrakhan for president tomorrow. And love him for his restraint and civility. Because if those thoughts ever attain the stature of action... If they ever evolve into achievement, we will see the beginning of the beginning. Paradise, rainbows, prophets standing together, praising God, speaking in tongues, healing by faith, and loving enough to put a stop to this madness called West. Talk soft, baby smooth dreams that speak softly but have big, ashy, bruisey knuckles, three stories high. Don't talk to me about terror abroad. We got a pretty good movie happening right here. And colored people are given free admission. But we get tired of the same plot tired of the same ending. Why do we have to die all the time? The movies have gotten so good, we act out right in the street. Kill him, Bernie. Shoot him, Bernie. I'm so what I'm black. I'm tired of those niggas mugging me. I don't care anymore. Kill him, Bernie. And the drug boys shake their heads sadly because even they have more honor. It ain't about money, a Colombian once told me. It's our word. What is our word? What do we really want? And do we believe we want it? It doesn't matter, black man, that you're not like. What matters is that you like yourself, your lips, your hair, your nose, your fingers, your spirit, your mind, blood. Mm. It doesn't matter that they can't understand Spanish, Puerto Ricans. What matters is that you understand what you're really saying and mean it and back the shit up. In the end, we the children of hibaros and sharecroppers. We the husbands of seamstresses and domestics. We the wives of bus drivers and, and, and ministers will direct this saga. And it will be a multicolored, multi-spirited motherfucker of a spectacle. You can bet on that. And I, 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 I can feel the pain of that birth right here, pushing against my forehead, pushing hard against my temples, aching my heart. But I got to live this life, you know, the one we see every day, the little murders, the little assassins, the little paychecks, the full subway cars of pain. And I find myself right next to the point of madness. Hmm. I mean, right next to the point of madness. You know what I'm talking about? Real close to madness. Help me. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Felipe Luciano, live and direct at the motherfucking renegade culture. 
and they, I said I wasn't gonna curse no more, but Felipe earned, earned the right <laughs> for me to say motherfucker and all kinds of other things that sound good live here at Renegade yeah. Culture. Felipe, thank you so much for joining us, brother. It was a pleasure. We hope to have you back on again, man. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we're gonna, like we got to have you come on as a correspondent every now and then and shit. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I love it. I love it. In fact, you know what I'm thinking? What you thinking? Have you ever thought we should be building our own news channel? Own the what? News channel, brother. Have you ever thought we should be doing our we're own the, news channel? That's what we're yes. doing. Yes, yes. we're doing that. We're, we're going to talk, talk to you about, about it. that off the air there. We're going to talk Atlanta, about Brooklyn, Hartford, Connecticut, yes. Oakland, Oakland, California. We Bridgeport, got a Connecticut. Of them. Yeah. Felipe, like, as we wrap up, is there any social media or any ways that you want people to contact you, you know about your work that you're still doing, any websites or anything that you got a name? Uh, Tonka, Tonka, T-O-N-K-A, at FelipeLuciano.com, and uh, Felipe, Luci Felipe J. Luciano at gmail.com. All right, you're putting so it out there Tonka to the world so people can contact at, you. At uh, gmail.com, and Felipe Luciano, Felipe J. Luciano, at um, gmail.com. Call me if there's anything that I'm doing, I'll let you know. All right, brother. Or we appreciate you, man. Thank you, brother. Take care yeah. of yourself. Stay on point. Culture. We'll be back. We're going to be coming back with our special music guests. Yeah, I mean, Smiley in the building. And, and tonight, FTP stand for, for the Felipe. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Goodbye, Renegade Culture. Yeah, yeah. Salute, He's brother. Lights, cameras, and action, glamour, glitter, and gold. Irons fold the scroll. Plans be to stampede the globe. Damn. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Doctor, you know what I'm shout saying? Out, shout out to Jimmy Spicer. Knock it, stole his rhyme. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Super rhymes, rhymes. Are we recording right now? Yeah, yeah man, we live, oh, son. Niggas didn't say nothing. Drunk bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, who we got as our special musical guest, son? Hey, let me tell y'all something, man. In Atlanta. Uh-oh. Damn. Nationally, mm. and I would even dare say internationally. All right. You know what I'm saying? There are certain hip hop groups. You know, when you, when you hear about Atlanta hip hop, you know, most of the time folks talk about uh, uh, Big Boy and Dre, they talk about Goody Mob, mm -hmm. they talk about Mike, they talk about. Uh, uh, That's enough. Luda and all these other yeah. folks. But there's a underground hip hop scene that right. we were blessed to be a part of. A hip hop, a hip -hop scene, an independent hip hop scene. That that uh, that was that's comprised of not only hip hop artists, but folks who are activists in their own rights. No doubt. You know what I mean? There are a number of different folks who we've seen. We had some of them on the show. You had the Book Browns. You know, folks like Star, um, Biggs Wreck, uh, 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 and so many others out there. My man, Big Vision. Surprise. Uh, we talking about before all that, but definitely Nisha Nice and all them. We talking about taking it back to like 04 and okay. and, and beyond. True. You know what I mean? But one of my favorite groups that uh, definitely put down a lot of work with us, put in a lot of work, was clandestine. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Legendary. Yeah, yeah. My man DT and our guest today, mm. Yamin Somali. Yamin Somali's a dope MC. What? You know what I mean? Uh, I ain't gonna tell you the stories that Rob Love, shout out to Rob Love. Really <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna tell you those stories. You know what I'm saying? Because not Rob Love story, not tonight. <laughs> matter of fact, we need a segment called Rob Love Stories. You go, <laughs> you go right out the server. And back we, to the introduction. Back to the introduction. Anyway, uh, this brother right here is a dope MC. He's had five right. albums out. Uh, 
five, six, seven, depending on what you do, mm -hmm. where you at, and what you heard. Um, a lot of dope material, uh, ripped the stage. Matter of fact, he has a cameo in Organizing as a New Cool. All right, well, there you go. Now we, know you, now, we know organized, new now, cool. now we know you Now we know you really <laughs> But anyway, um, this brother right here, he's a dope MC. He's a uh, recipient of the Georgia Music Award. Mm -hmm. He's a recipient of the FTP Music Award. And we ain't, we ain't even yeah, announced it. Yeah, it's true. So, we, so <laughs> the 2021 FTP Move, Movement Music Awards, he's already had something going. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, this brother right here, he's one of the dopest MCs out here in Atlanta. Dope and abroad. MCs and producers, man. Right. Dope MCs and producers. Definitely. Right, come on, man. His production is ill. Are we going to right. let the brother talk during the whole segment? I, I, Hold on. I was like, can we? Uh, excuse me. You motherfuckers <laughs> asked me to goddamn introduce. Oh, God. Let yeah, me do what the fuck I'm doing. Thing. <laughs> this motherfucker, he, he cut Felipe Luciano off. Yeah, you got a lot of pages. First fuck time, I was like, God damn, no. They were the last points. Anyway, give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for my man, Yamin Somali. Yeah. Thank what you up, so y'all? Mean? Brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank y'all for having me, man. Hey, man. You sound real humble right now. Y'all mean? He's looking up. This ain't the y'all mean. I know he's like, thank you for having us. Whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? How's everything going with you, man? Everything been all right? Yeah, man. It's it's been a weird time for a lot of people. I will say, I feel very covered. Um, I feel like a lot of purpose is, you know, drawing. I'm being drawn toward a purpose in a time like this, to still be. Um, just uh, above water, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people ain't really doing too well, so I, I say that with all, like, humility. I'm having a, you know, decent life right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say some, some wild shit. Uh, last time I saw you, I mean, we were in a, uh, a, a uh, club-type setting. Uh oh yeah. And um, Corona had just popped off. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and uh, I don't know if it was Dylan. It's kerosene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the kerosene. They, they was... They was higher than the motherfucking light bill. <laughs> and he sees me of all people. And he says, Kalanji. I said, Yeah, I mean high as fuck when you say my name like that. He said, Man, take a picture of us. And he had, they both had corona bottles and shit. <laughs> he wanted to take pictures with corona bottles. Now, oddly enough, months later, who the fuck got corona? Me. Oh shit. So Thank you, ah, Yamin. Ah, so, ah. so Yamin, for those of y'all go back to Kalanji has COVID, we're blaming on Yamin. <laughs> oh, but anyway, let's a, talk uh, about uh, some of these new projects you got out, man. What's yes, going sir, on? man. Um, my man, Ace Boogie, who we call in the producer world, Double O Schizo. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let me take it back to 2017. 2017. Um, Do I me a favor, before you go there, yeah. take it back to clandestine. And okay, then come let's all the way yeah, work our way up, man. Yes. Um, we can take it from there to the new music I got this year. Let's do that. Um, me and DT met in 03, I believe, right? Or okay. 02, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, he was starting at Morehouse. I was at Georgia State, but I used to DJ at Morehouse a lot for an event called Underground Live, which was basically where people came to do their bars, whatever, if it was freestyle, written. So I was spin there, and uh, a lot of brothers, uh, like dudes from Cunning Linguists, they started all that before me, like Deacon and them brothers. I didn't even know that until we was in Europe together a couple mm. years ago, right? But right. Um, so I was meeting him, um, another dude in our group, Felix. He's uh, like our big brother in the Vinyl Junkies, which basically is like the umbrella group that started me and DT even kicking it. He was a RA at Morehouse when DT came in. He was like, you need to meet my little brother. He talking about me. So that's how clandestine basically got started, you know, right. um, in his dorm room in Morehouse and my crib down the street on Fair Street. Um, so from there, man, you know, we just kind of cut our teeth. You know, I had the MP Excel, 2000 Excel and DT was like at my house all the time, you know, learning how to use it. Right. And uh, we just was like brothers, man. It, it became like his mom knew my mom and um, we just did the best we could. I moved to California in 06. 
and I wanted him to come and finish this album we had been working on. He came, we did it, and we came back to the East Coast. Um, the second album we did, people kind of started taking us more seriously. Mm -hmm. Actually, we did a project in between for Raucous, um, where we did uh, remixes from the first album, basically made them tighter. So I learned new software, I basically improved upon what we had. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the second album album came out, self-titled, which is what it's, it's called, self-titled, um, that really took it up, man. Like Creative Loafing gave us five out of five stars. Um, a lot of that Cali love that we had put in kind of paid off and getting the word out a little bit better. And, um, you know, I still work with him all the time, just in a different capacity. He has a rock and roll, kind of psychedelic rock yeah, rap yeah. group now called The Difference Machine. Right. Every release they do, I got something to do with that, you know. Um, we hang, we live right down the street from each other still. We always talk about records, uh, everything. We just our support system. That's my brother. Like, even if we never cut another song, which we will, but if we don't, yeah. you know, it will never be no love loss at all. And um, <clears throat> solo-wise, I put my first thing out in 2013. I just called it Yami. Um, I re-released it this year, seven years later, as a kind of commemorative thing with a USB cassette. Mm -hmm. I, I did all the beats on this. I remixed the joints I didn't do originally, and I, made, I put new songs on there. So the single from that was called Black Leather. Uh, oh, let me back up again. I put two albums out in 2013. Yeah, okay. uh, the second one I'm trying to re-release right now is called Senior Dudes. Um, Big Vision is on there. Y'all talked about Big Vaughn earlier. Shout out to my man Vish. Yeah, he, yeah. he got a song on there with me and Corrupt from the Dog Pound. Um, I got uh, Count Base D on there. Mm -hmm. um, it was a fun project, yeah. but honestly, um, my mom passed that year, so I really put it out because I was just going to be kind of done with music for a while. So yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, I put one out in February, I'm going to put another one out in December, and just kind of just, I just want to get it out. I don't want it to get stale. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't want, you know, I ain't know what was ahead of me. So, um, so what you working on now? What, right now, thank you, thank you, yeah. Um, right now, uh, this new album is called uh, Phantom Feeling. It's produced mm -hmm. by Double O Schizo, who I was talking about. We started working together on that second album, uh, which is called Senior Dudes, in 2013. We did an EP in 2017 called The Hot EP. It looks like it say Hotep when you put it together. <laughs> uh, we did cassettes on that. I took that to Europe with um, Cunning Linguist. We was touring like 21 cities um, from France to Belgium to... Um, mm. Uh, Zurich, uh, we did a lot of cities in France, um, and that was uh, that was life changing, man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we followed up with Phantom Feeling this year, cause um, it's kind of crazy. I'm just now getting like solid studio built around my crib again. Yeah. So I was traveling a lot, and it was like he was a breath of fresh air on the beats for me. Ace Boogie, I'm talking about right, Double right. O Schizo. Um, he's just like an alien to me. Like I couldn't see myself really in that period rhyming on nobody else's stuff. We did like at least 35, 40 songs in about two years, you know what I'm saying, between my movements. But Phantom Feeling got um, <clears throat> a video out now for the single called One Deep. Yeah. I just put that out like yesterday. Cool, cool. And um, yeah, man, it's been it's been cool though. It's been a good year, man. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in between all those years we talked about. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. gave y'all like the real, kind of short as I could. <laughs> now, what, what I want to do for the first time, something that uh, we haven't done, and I ain't checking the crew because I don't really give a fuck what they think, <laughs> but what I would like to do is uh, we would like to do a giveaway. So, you know, we, want, we definitely want folks to support the yeah. project. That's smart. But, um, yeah, but we want to give away uh, to the first uh, three okay. folks who check out this joint and comment on the... Uh, on the, uh, on the video? YouTube joint. Yeah, yes, okay, yes, cool. yes, yes. That's what's up. And check out the video. And Hi. tell it on the comment, uh -huh. you have to leave on the comment, what did you like or dislike about the video? I'll and the video is called what? It's called One Deep. 
one deep. Well, you got to also say that you heard about it on Renegade Culture. Okay, all right, let's, let's throw this out for yeah. the people. Okay. They got to say they heard about it through Renegade Culture. Okay. They got to leave an honest critique of the song. Yes. And like the video. Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely got to like the video. You can't, unlo- you can't not like the motherfucker. Yeah. You don't like the video, you got to subscribe too. You can say you can say whatever at the, in the comment. You can say, oh, right. it's trash, but you like the video. Right, right, right. Like the goddamn so, so video. Them three things. Hey, all right, so this is how generous I'm feeling. Um, in, the, in, the, in the giveaway, three mm-hmm. people, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I got the USB cassettes I was talking about. Okay. So that's, that's, that's good. And then I, I throw a mystery... Um, a mystery product in with each of those. So cool, cool. There so you go. get two things. Um, one is definitely the USB cassette, and then something else. It could be a piece of vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be a CD. Could be a sticker. I don't know. Like we'll just throw it in there. I'm with that. Word up. You got. And, and you know, we also talked about you being a dope producer. Like one of the dopest songs that that still gets a lot of run was the song that you produced by uh, for Stacey Epps called Floating. So oh, you know about, what? How hey. did that come about? I did the remix to Floating, right? Okay, yeah. The original was by a brother named Apex. Okay. And some of y'all might remember I used to go by Amdex, right? Right, 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 right. So everybody thought I made that beat, man. (laughs) Wow. Apex is from the DMV. I believe he's from DC. He really, I I always gave him. Wait wait a minute. You mean Server got his facts wrong? Nah, you know, like the remix is wrong. It, it ain't wrong. If I did a remix, it's okay, okay, okay. It ain't okay, wrong, it just ain't right. I just, I just, yo, okay, okay, yeah, my bad. It ain't, it ain't off, off. It right. ain't all wrong, all right, my yeah, bad. I just like never, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, you like you said, I was in the skinny God. boys or something, you, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like having a sister a little bit pregnant. And, oh, that's true. Shit, not all the way pregnant. We're about, we about to cut this segment. Uh, before we do, we got this thing called a bold question, where we ask our guests, knock us nonsense, Depicted as a, a bunch of questions in that bowl. That's cool. a really expensive bowl. Don't break that shit. No, um, no, I see. So I need you to dig deep in there right. and and pick out a question, and you want you to read the question, cool. and we want you to answer what that question is. All, All right, right, bet. Dig deep in there, brother. Right. Shout out to Stacey Epps too, man. No doubt. But, but to make it sound like there's a lot of questions in there, like like yeah, no, you know right. what I'm saying. Nah, uh, I DJ right. for the Stacey for like 15 years, man. Shout out to cool. Stacey. Okay, All right, cool. Up. Shout All out, Stacey. We might have Stacey Epps on here. Yeah. Stacey's a dope attorney as well. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of Stacey. All right. All right. Okay. What's that question? Okay. If plan A in life doesn't work, what is plan B? And this is specific to me. Yeah. That's coming from the, Naka. So. It's a question for you, but it's one of the, it, it's a bad question from Naka because he always asks dumb questions. But <laughs> I, I, think, I want I you think, to answer it anyway. Yeah. Okay, so if my plan A doesn't work. Right? Yeah, yeah, what's your yeah. plan B? And not plan okay. B like the day at the morning after. Nah, not that. <laughs> yeah, not we that. We all know a little bit about that. You know? no, okay. Oh, you know Naka though. It's a lot of information out here. It's Go a lot ahead, of information though. right here. Um, yo, man, I always was taught that there can be plan like, a point two or something, you know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't gotta be straight B, but I think this is also a good moment for me to say, I'm a heating and air technician, you know what I'm saying? I made sure I was never gonna go broke, mm, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's the best I could say, but I, that doesn't mean I'm gonna ever not be on my A game. True that. Plan A is music, I bust my ass, I come home and I make great music, you know? Like, I find out how to make it all work. and. Um, it could be playing A and B. True that. Know, true, true, true. It ain't got to be one or the other. So yeah. that's how I put it. And I never shy away from that. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me on them rooftops. You'll see me fixing shit. <laughs> I just want people to know that, like, the mystique, man, is not, like, material. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, I get it. I get it in. I got people afraid of me with contracts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's people ducking me, stealing my rhymes. 
and I got peace of mind that I'm like taking care of my shit and learning. True that, true. You know what I'm saying? Because so, this game will be nasty to you sometimes, so yeah. make sure you get yours. So as we wrap up, can you tell us, tell the folks how they can get in touch with you, uh, buy the album, what's your social media? Yeah, uh, hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, that's Yamin all day, Y-A-M-I-N all day. And uh, you can find me like that. That's probably the easiest way. You know what I'm saying? Word. Cool. So we're going to definitely, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Yamin is going to rock for us. That's right. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely going to rock the joint. And, um, you know, remember, the, the first three people to come and make this comment, whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, you're going to get this new shit from Yamin. Yeah, True. everybody can use a USB drive. It looked like a cassette, so when you get it, don't. I actually did a giveaway. With it and through some other company, they, yeah. they got the cassette. They was like, I don't have a tape player, but thanks. I was like, nigga, open it up <laughs> <laughs> and pull out the joint, put it in your computer. Put it in the computer. Probably Miles Company. <laughs> oh, I, I don't have an A-track. Yo, yo, so, so what song are you gonna rock today? Uh, I'm gonna do um, a song I really love. It's like one of the last songs I did for the project. It's called Easy. All right, let's get it. Here we go. Yeah. Y'all in the building. Boom. Blackout. Yes, yes. Live from East Point. Actually, we in the West End tonight. It's East Point's own Yami Somali. Phantom feeling everywhere, though. Cop that out your phone, baby. Yeah. Yeah, one time. Check it. Easiest thing to do is waste time. Hardest thing to do is draw a straight line. It's easy repeating things from the grapevine. Much harder to take that and make wine. It takes a trained mind, not the lame blind. Easy to say, fuck you, harder to stay kind. Have you ever tried to change minds? It's easier said than done. Shit's harder than when plate dries. If I was simplistic, y'all would still miss it. Cause even implicit, my shit get different. They say it ain't easy if you pimp with it. Unless you're from Memphis, it's hard like emphasis. But I'm from GA, where it's easy to get a PK. Harder getting over on the freeway. It's easy to shoot gays like East Bay. But it ain't hard to move along to the DJ. So, hey, so yeah. Easy as breeze, but trust me, dog, it's harder than it seems. I make it look easy. 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 Yeah, renegade culture. This episode 92. Y'all rock, rocking out with y'all mean Somali, baby. Peace. Y'all rocking out with Renegade Culture. Oh, over there. <laughs> yeah, y'all rocking out with Renegade Culture. This is Yami Somali. Episode 92. I'm out. Peace.